Welcome to Momentum Church. Man, yesterday I had a great time. I ended up taking my son Maverick, who is 12. I took him up to North Georgia to experience a survival camp out. And the best part about it was I left him. <laughs> and I came back home. And last night, I slept in my warm bed. But the thing with it, yesterday we get up there, it's a couple hour drive, and we get on property and, and we're hiking and we see this divot. And I told Mac, I said, buddy, that'd be a perfect shelter. And he got excited. I threw a log on it. And he's like, I get it. And so he built this whole thing real quick. And, and, um, and last night in that 22 degree temperature, he slept in that thing all by himself. Now, there was leaders around. I mean, I'm not a bad parent, right? <laughs> but the thing about it, when he got it built, we had it lined with some emergency blankets, and, and so it was trapping the heat. And he crawled in there, and he said, Dad, it is warm in here, you know? And I thought, that's awesome, because it was a contrast between what was inside that shelter to what was outside that shelter. And I just want to say, I love coming to church. You know why? Because it's a contrast. There's peace in here, Amen. There's turmoil sometimes out there. There's joy in here, amen? There's just frustration and, and struggle sometimes out there. Now, I'm not saying we don't have struggles and, and turmoil in here too, but there's something about coming together into the house of God that once a week, it's like, whoo, this is a good thing, right? And I hope some of the stuff we experience in here, we'll take everybody out there. <laughs> Yeah, but that idea of contrast, you guys understand contrast, just the difference between things, that state of being distinctively and strikingly different. You guys get that, right? Let me, let's play some opposites, okay? We'll see if you do better than the first service. So let me, let me say a word and you say the opposite, right? The contrasting word. So light. All right, good, good. You guys are 100% on that. First service, somebody went heavy. All right, so, <laughs> it's true, good, ah, I knew somebody, somebody was going to be rebellious, I knew it, no, evil, yeah, good, bad, or good, evil, how about right, <laughs> man, First Baptist has a late service, no, I'm kidding, no, 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 but you guys, whoa, hey, what's going on here? That started doing something weird. There, you guys understand the difference between contrast and it's that thing that like, it's just everything is different. And, and I don't know about you guys. I, I want to look at this idea of contrast today, actually this next few weeks, um, because there's things in our life at times that, that changes us. And in that moment, everything looks different, right? And, and I'll give you one more little thing. And on July 9th, 1958, at 1022, something happened. Now, July 9th, 1994, you married me. But July 9th, 1958, the largest tsunami recorded in history took place in, in Alaska. The, the, how many's been on a cruise before? I know that at times you have people cruises. Gilbert Inlet, I'm not sure if you went by that inlet, but the, the Latuya Bay, this bay that's right outside of Gilbert Inlet, there was an earthquake, 8.3 magnitude earthquake, and the mountain and the glacier, the ice, literally broke off and fell into the sea. And when it happened, it raised the water up in that inlet, because it was a narrow inlet. How high? It raised it up 1,700 feet. Hang 10, baby. 
Can you imagine that? A tidal wave, a tsunami, 1,700 feet. Well, what ended up happening with that unleashing of water, it moved five square miles of land. Just like pushed it out the inlet. It cleared hundreds of thousands of trees. When this happened, the landscape was never the same from that day forward. Literally the sides of the bay, they were cut back. And all the trees on either side of the bay completely snapped off. And to this day, the contrast from what was to what can be seen now can be seen all the way from space. That's a huge contrast because of a tsunami. And, and I heard it said that that's what the book of Romans is like. The book of Romans, we're gonna go into the book of Romans and it's like a tsunami that changes everything. Paul pinned it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and it went out like a tsunami and for 2000 years, it's cut a path into the hearts of men pointing to the way. That way that does what? That separates life from death, sin from righteousness, that separates penalty from reward, all because of lives submitted to the truths espoused in its 16 chapters. Oh, I'm excited. I've been waiting for this day for a long time to open up the book of Romans and to dig into it. How many is excited with me? All right, all right. Yeah, and so this year, what we're gonna be doing is we're gonna be looking at the letter of Paul to the church in Rome, this epistle, that word epistle means a letter, and we're gonna be looking at that, and, um, and we'll be breaking it down. The first section will be five weeks, so this week and four more, and we'll be looking at chapter one through chapter three, verse 20. And so that first set, as we look at this contrast that takes place when God gets involved with lives, Amen. Because, man, it changes everything when this happens. And so why are we spending so much time, though? Because what we're going to do here in a, after Easter, we'll have a series after Easter. Then after that, we'll go back into Romans, and we'll hit another section. And we're going to do it five times, all right, until we get through all of Romans this year. It's going to be so good. Why are we spending so much time on the book of Romans? Well, let me give you some quotes from some important people theologically and historically throughout the church. And these are those who put value in Paul and his letters. And so let's look at this. Augustine, he said, I wish to have seen Christ in the flesh and Paul in the pulpit. Man, he must have been quite a preacher, right? Martin Luther, the Protestant reformer, he said, Romans is the true masterpiece of the New Testament. William Tyndale, the epistle is the principal and most excellent part of the New Testament and also a light and way unto the whole of scripture. If you get an understanding of Romans, you'll get an understanding of the whole scripture. Along those lines, John Calvin, he said, if we have gained a true understanding of this epistle, we have an open door to the profound treasures of scripture. And I want to bring us to some modern important people in the church. First, Dr. Tony, Tony Evans. He said, Romans is the constitution of the church. Isn't that good? And now the final one. Let's see who says this. Oh, yeah, that's me. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Important, important people in the church. But no, I'll be honest. My whole life in ministry have been rooted in the revelation of God's righteousness seen in the letter of Paul to the people of Rome. 
like for me, Rome, Amy knows this, Romans and Galatians are my two favorite books. Romans 8 is probably my favorite chapter in the whole Bible. And, and with it, it's just a joy to be able to open it up and begin to study it together. And the reason why I want us to study this is because reformations and revivals have been sparked because of people digging into the book of Romans. It was the book of Romans that sparked the Protestant Reformation. It's been the book of Romans that has caused people to go to their knees seeking God, seeking contrast, the difference between the life they're living and the life they desire to live, and God showing up with power, amen? And so that is why we're going to the book of Romans. Romans is this, it's a revelation of God's righteousness, and it's instructions regarding what we should believe and how we should live in light of those beliefs. A revelation of God's righteousness. We're going to have God revealed more to us as we study Rome. But as that happens, who he is contrasts with all, contrasts with all the things that he's not. So we're going to see darkness like never before. Amen? We're going to see death. We're going to see life. It, there's the contrasting quality about the first part of Romans that we're going to be digging into. And um, I want us to stand to our feet. We're going to read through the first seven verses, and then we'll start breaking these verses down for us today. Hmm. All right, he says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand and through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power, according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I ask as we open up your word, the Lord God, you would begin to speak to us, that you'd begin to reveal your heart to us, that Lord God, you would set our feet on the path to follow you at an even greater uh, measure, I pray, Jesus. Expound, Lord, to us from your word, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You can have your seat. The first thing I wanna say as we get into looking at this scripture is this, everything changes when Jesus shows up. Y'all ought to shout right there. Everything. And what we see in the beginning of this passage, chapter one, verse one, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Oh my goodness, that said a lot. I mean, there's so much right there. A servant of God, called to be an apostle, set apart. Oh, man. And so here's the thing I love about Paul. Who was he? Like, why are we studying this? Like, what about Paul that makes him significant? Why did God use Paul so significantly? Writing one-third of the whole Bible, two-thirds of the New Testament. What about Paul makes him someone to look to for understanding? Well, Paul, his Hebrew name was Saul, and he actually was a very devout Jew who followed the law. He sat underneath the teachings of Gamaliel, one of the chief scribes of the day, and he was a man who would persecute believers, Christians, because he felt they were going against the faith of old. And so he was one that would be sent and commissioned to go to another city, round up Christians, and then bring them in for persecution. And so even it tells us that, that Stephen, the first martyr of scripture, the Bible says the men that were going to stone Stephen, they took their cloaks off and they laid them at the feet of a young man. 
And most believe that young man was Saul, the same Saul that later we know as Paul. And so this Saul is on his way to Damascus. And on his way, Jesus shows up as a Christophany. That's like, like it's God all by himself right there. But he allowed himself to have like an open vision of who Jesus was in that moment on that road. And he knocks him off his horse. And he says to Paul, why are you kicking against the goads? Why are you kicking against the pricks? What does that mean, Ross? Well, if you had a sheep and you wanted him to go, you would goad the sheep with your little staff. Or if you had cattle, you would prick or you would goad them in the direction that they were to go. And Jesus in this moment is saying to, 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 to Saul, who would later become Paul, why are you fighting against my leadership? Like, like, why aren't you being a servant of my purpose and my agenda? In this moment, he is the servant of a different agenda. And Paul, Jesus rather, is pulling Paul in this moment to his knees, if you will, and saying to him, I am Lord, I am leader. Why fight against what I'm trying to do? And we know the Holy Spirit touched Saul in a very significant way. His scales fall from his eyes. He leaves the home where he was at. He goes back out into the street and begins to preach the message of Christ. Amen? And all those years later, we can see what God has done in and through Saul's life. The thing I really want to lean in on is this. Romans 1.1. Paul, a servant. Say servant. I love that. I, I just really feel Paul identified as a servant first. He was a servant of God. I think that moment on the, on the, on the um, um, road to Damascus marked him that I'm not Lord. I'm not leader. You are. I won't fight against what your leadership is. I won't fight against what you're leading. I will follow. You tell me speak, I'll speak. You tell me to go, I'll go. Amen. And so we see here he identifies as a servant. And that is a contrast I mean, the religious leaders of that day would be those of which would want to be served. They would want to be pious and look at me and look at my vestments, you know. Uh, they would want to have their protégés, you know. But not Paul. He identified as a servant. What a contrast that we can see in his heart. You know, he said that he was called to be an apostle. Yeah, that's a position, a title, if you will. But he just wanted to be a servant of Jesus. I mean, if you, if you ever see my tattoo and wonder what it is, it's Paul on the road to Damascus getting knocked off his horse. And above it, it says, old things pass away. All things become new. Because that's what Jesus did in our lives. That's what Jesus did in our family. How can you not serve a Jesus that changes everything? When Jesus shows up, he changes everything. This is where you find Paul. And so with it, Paul wasn't so high-minded. I am the apostle, follow me. No, he leads off with, I'm a servant. That is so good. That speaks volumes to my heart. Jesus served Paul. And now Paul is saying, I am determined to serve you. You know, I was up for my, my, my mother's funeral. And this idea of a servant and that there's no greater title at all than that of a servant of Jesus really struck me when I was up there. Because this guy comes up to me. I didn't know who he was. And he's like, hey, Pastor Ross, I want to talk to you. I'm at my mama's funeral. I want to talk to you. I said, yeah, what about, he's like, your dad's told me about you planting the church and helping other churches get started and you and your wife going and doing mission work with pastors overseas and blah, blah, blah. So he, he looks at me, he goes, you're an apostle. 
And I said, well, I don't, I don't, I don't believe so. I don't, I don't claim that. Oh, no, you are. You're an apostle. And I'm like, I mean, I, I, and, and he said, you don't believe in the five-fold ministry of the pastor, prophet, teacher, evangelist, teacher? You know, I think I already said that. Apostle? I missed one. I'm like, well, yeah, I believe in that God uses those as gifts in the Bible. I just, he said, well, then you're an apostle. And I'm like, well, I'm just not prideful enough to say that. You know, if Paul's leading with servant, I, I just want to leave with servant, amen? And finally, I just said, listen, buddy, because he's like, well, on my way back to Alabama, I want to swing by and, and have you just speak into my life because I'm a church planter and, and, and I'll, be on, I'll be there in a few days because we were up north and I'm just like, buddy, I just want to spend the week thinking about my mama, you know? So I kind of scolded him a little bit, you know? Mean apostle, <laughs> no. No, but it was weird. It was just weird to me. Like, like, like people get hung up on titles. I just love how he says that he's a servant of Christ called to be an apostle. Like I, like I lead with, I serve him. And now he has a purpose. And so my purpose is, like if I was Paul, my purpose is to be a missionary, he would say. You know, called to be an apostle. Because there's no greater title than that of a servant of Jesus. And it stands in contrast. Now, here's the thing about Paul. If you know anything about Paul, oh my word, what happened in his life as he gave service unto Jesus? Man, afflictions, hardships, beatings. Like if, 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 if Jesus said, okay, Paul, here's the job description for your future. Afflictions, hardships, beatings. You think your job is bad, right? Like, but this is what he faced. He said in 2 Corinthians 11, five times I received 40 lashes minus one. What is that? 40 lashes from the Romans was a death sentence. If you were sentenced 40 lashes, that meant whip that man on that post until he dies. So a sentence of 40 lashes minus one is that bring that man so close to death, but don't let him die. And that's five times was perpetrated upon, upon Paul. You've seen the pictures of, of African-American slaves all torn up, so sad, ridiculous. Jesus, or rather Paul, five times he says, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits. I mean, Paul had a rough way to go, but in Galatians 6, 17, he says, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. I don't, I don't bear those marks. <clears throat> you don't bear those marks. We bear certain marks, but not like this. What was Paul saying? He was saying that he wears those marks as a sign of Jesus' ownership of him. I bear in my body the marks of Jesus. I'm not my own, he would say. I've been bought with a price, he would say. I'm a servant of the Most High, Paul would say. Yeah, I'm called to be an apostle, but that, my identification is in being a servant of God. And I've been through all these things. But this one, the one I serve, I serve because when Jesus showed up in my life, Paul would say, he changed everything. And I want Jesus to change our lives, amen? And he will when he is Lord. He will when he is leader of our lives. Yeah. 
So who is this Jesus he's speaking of? Like, why was it worth Paul giving everything up to Jesus? Well, we see in Romans 1, 4, and I'm not gonna go through every single verse in Romans. We'll be here for four years, right? So we're gonna jump down to verse four. And who is this Jesus? He's the one declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. He is the one declared to be the son of God. That's who this Jesus is, not just a good teacher, but he is the one declared to be the son of God. How? By the power of his resurrection. That gave witness, that gave declaration to the fact that he is who he says he is, that he is God almighty, amen? And so with the witness of the power of his resurrection, oh my word, that is something that we can embrace and we can know. If he can be raised from the dead, and then he says to our life that he can bring that change, guess what? He can bring that change. Because when Jesus shows up, everybody say everything changes. Yeah. You know, this is a good time for this series too, because we're getting ready to go to Easter. Like Easter's just a few weeks away. This past Wednesday was Lent, or the start of Lent. It was Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday. And, and, and then we're going to have 40 days up till Easter from that. I do want to give you guys a little thing on the calendar. Save the date. On Palm Sunday night, we'll be having our Seder dinner here. And it's around 95 people we have accommodations for, to, just so we can seat. So sign up quick. But it's Palm Sunday evening, which is a very special night. It was hard to get that night booked with Murray Tillis. Um, he's a friend of mine that is the leader of uh, Light of Messiah Ministries. And so if you know what Seder meal is, we will tell you about that here next week and the week after. But I just want you to get a save the date. It's the celebration of, of God bringing the Israelites out of bondage into the promised land, but it's also a celebration of Jesus bringing our life out of bondage, amen, and into the promise. And so, um, yeah, so just put that on the calendar. But in light of this, in, in, this, in this season, you know, Wednesday was Ash Wednesday. How many understand what Ash Wednesday is? You take ashes, they put on your forehead as a symbol of repentance. You know, as you get ready to prepare to go into Lent. What blows my mind is the contrast of the day before to Wednesday. How many know what Tuesday is the day before? Fat Tuesday. Oh, man, yeah. You know, it's like the ending of Mardi Gras and all the whoo, party. Yeah, that always blows my mind that there's this contrast between this worldly celebration, you know, and then the next day, let's get some ashes and just repent, you know. <laughs> today, he's not Lord, but tomorrow he will be. You know, today I'm doing this, but tomorrow I'll, man, I think it just challenges us that when Jesus shows up, it changes everything. And Romans is just calling for a contrasted life, a life submitted fully to Jesus, just like Paul saying he was a servant, fully serving Jesus. And so Jesus, he's declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. And if he raised from the dead, shouldn't this result in something in our lives as well? I mean, think about it. If he is the son of God raised from the dead, there should be some contrast in our life, Right? Like, if he can conquer death, hell, and the grave, my question to you, will you let him conquer your heart? If he can conquer death, hell, and the grave, will you allow him to rule and reign and for you to be a servant of him? And guys, I'm pointing back at myself too. This whole idea of lordship and of Jesus and us as servants to him, man, it fights against our nature because we're conflicted. I'll talk about that here in a second. <clears throat> the second thing that we see in this passage of Scripture 
is God's power separates you for his purpose. God's power separates you for his purpose. Romans 1, 4, declare to be the son of God and according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. This idea of the spirit of holiness. Holiness is a separation unto God for his benefit, for his purpose, for his glory. God separates you from sin. God separates you from the old past and brings you into a plan that he has for you. That's what he has separated. And the power of his resurrection separates us unto holiness. A life that is separate. You can see the contrast. A life that goes from death to life. That goes from defeat to victory. From sin to righteousness. And we can see verse 1 that Paul said at the end of that verse. He was set apart for the gospel of God. Set apart. That God was calling Paul to set him apart. To go forth to preach this message. This revelation of righteousness to people, that if they could get a hold of who God is and what God desired for them and how God desired for them to live, and they would actually believe it and live it, he would change everything. When Jesus shows up, he literally changes everything. And that's what happened in Paul's life. He was set apart and he's wanting us to be set apart too. God's speaking through him, calling us to be set apart, that idea of being holy before him. And I love that. We're going to see here in a second that that rubs against our hearts. How many this week you thought, you're like, you're just having time together and you're like, I am so holy. <laughs> just, ooh, I'm just righteous. I'm just, man, I'm so, I'm so much, I'm just so much better today than I was yesterday. Like, I'm just, ooh. How many felt that this week? Not a one, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we don't sit around thinking that. There, there's a contrast in our heart between what God is saying about us and what we believe about us. We just saw that he sets us apart as holy. He sets us apart, amen? But I don't feel that way. And so my final point in this talk today is the contrasting character of who we are in Christ. There is something within us that still fights against who God says we are. You know what, I'm gonna tell you right now, that'll probably be a battle until you go see Jesus. It's a battle of leadership, though. It's a battle of lordship. It's a battle of servanthood. It's a battle to say, you know what? I am not my own, like I said, but I've been bought with the price. And my character tries to rise up. But I'm going to push it down and serve the Lord. I'm, I'm calling this section the contrasting character of who we are in Christ. Because God sees us one way, even though we see ourselves another so often. Watch what it says. First five through six, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus. I love this. You are included. Look to your neighbor and say, you're included. Do you see this? We've been set apart by God. His holiness, his resurrection and his power has allowed us to be set apart and now we get to live as a witness of that resurrection and that power because God has set us apart. But I don't feel set apart. I, I don't feel righteous. I, I don't feel like I've arrived. I, I feel so often undone. And here we see him saying that you're included. You're included. You, you know, this week I was 
um, on Wednesday night, Amy helped the youth. Um, Pastor Tyler had a, a need and um, with the, the, the minister to the girls on Wednesday night. And so he was, she was there, and I took the kids over here to the playground, and we were playing. And this guy was there with his son. We get talking, and I started telling him about Trail Life, which is a boys' program that Maverick's in. It's, um, like, it's like Boy Scouts, but a lot more scriptural teaching and things like that. And this young man, or this, this daddy, he says, yeah, we did scouting for a good while, and... Um, <clears throat> And, um, you know, his son was included in that. You know. But he said this. He goes, we did scouting for a good while, but he just never was accepted. He, he never felt like he belonged. There's a difference between being included and belonging. You know, he had the shirt. He had the book. He had the little bolo tie. But he just never felt like he fit. He never felt like he belonged. And this scripture says, including you who are called to belong. I love that because you are included, number one. God's like, he has an invitation to you. But at times we don't feel like we belong. There's a place for you, amen? There's a people for you, this scripture is saying. We're that place, we're those people, amen? Not just momentum, but the church. But I, I thought that the church was always just full of perfect people. Not as long as you're here. I love you, man. I just tease him. I'm just kidding. No, not as long as I'm here. No, but it is a place full of perfecting people. Like we're being perfected, right? And I just love how this passage of scripture begins to speak to God's view of those that belong, those people there in Rome that were called the church. And he was going to deal with a lot of issues through the book of Romans. But he leads with, he's a servant. And then he leads telling them how God thinks about them. You know, so often we, we think of God as all the stuff that he's against and all the things you better get straight, get right or get left. But that's not how God led in the book of Romans. And he gets strong. We're gonna see some strong stuff in Romans, okay? But he leads with letting them know. When Jesus comes, he changes everything. And one of the things he changes is your character, who you are. Now, are you there yet? No, but this is what he sees in a moment because of his goodness. It says you are included, you belong. You know, not a perfect people, no, but a set apart people. And, and, and that, that, there's a rub with that. There's a contrast with the Christian character. Like, like who we are, it can contrast a couple ways. One, it contrasts where I just, I, I know I need to be and I struggle to be. You feel that contrast? Another way it contrasts is I know who I am and it's different than the world I live in. It's a contrasting Christian character. Like, like I may used to say things like that. I don't say those things anymore. My friends still do. And so now there's a contrast. Do you see what I'm seeing, saying? What, what it is is when Jesus shows up, everything changes. There's going to be contrast. There should be contrast. Yeah. There, there should be a sense of not, not an indwelling um, 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 insecurity. No, no, no. But an indwelling understanding that, God, I'm not who I am. I won't be who I am today, tomorrow. And a month from now, I'm not going to be who I was a month before. I, I'm, I, you're helping me change. And that change is going to look different than I look today. Amen? But then also that contrast, man, this world is not our home. We are just passing through. An old song that said that. And I'll tell you who's really starting to figure this out is my son Maverick. And, and it's, it's, it's a joy and a pain watching him figure this out. You know, he loves Jesus. And, um, but in the neighborhood, a lot of kids that don't. 
And in, in the neighborhood, there's a few boys that he's taking to trail life with us. We got about three kids that come with us to trail life. And um, we're watching them grow and, and start to change a little bit and, and Max having a little impact on them. And then down the street, there's another group of kids. They're having an impact on Mac. Just being honest, you know? And it was so neat getting to be with my boy a couple nights ago and watching as he's dealing with the conflicting character of a Christian. Like he's, conf- I want to serve the Lord, but I, I, I I want them to like me. You know what I mean? <clears throat> I want to serve the Lord, but, but this is the norm. This is what everybody does. And you, you may think that's like a little kitty thing. No, no, because maybe your situation, I want to serve the Lord and I love my wife, but that girl at the, at the Starbucks, I just feel like I need another latte. I need a latte latte. I need a lot of latte. I need, and you just can't help yourself going to get latte. You know what I'm saying? Like, like the conflicting character of a Christ follower. I'm not here to judge you on. I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, I don't want to say I'm normal like it normalizes. I'm saying that fight, that fight, that conflict, that contrast. When we allow him to be Lord and we become servants, his power begins to do something with that. Amen? And the affliction and the struggles and the things being, being shipwrecked and whipped and all those things, they start to lose power to shape your life, to control your life. And you begin to be that witness that Paul was because he followed Jesus and made Jesus Lord, made Jesus his, the one that he was servant to, not the other way around. Amen? And so you are included. That's what you need to know. When you feel conflicted, remind yourself you're con- included. Amen. Remind yourself, you belong. And, and what I love about this, it says you're included, but then it says who are called to belong. And I love that because it's just like, to me, I feel like this. And you feel the way you feel. But can you hear Jesus calling you to belong? Like, like think about it. Like you're doing life and you feel on the out, outside. You, you're doing life, you, you, you don't feel set apart for God. You're doing life. Just hear your master, hear Jesus just saying, you belong. It's okay, you belong. Like, come closer to me. Follow me. I be, I, you be the servant. I'll be the Lord. You belong, but come here. But so often, many times, man, we don't feel it, and we push further and further away. No, you're already called. It's done. You belong. Goes on, it says, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. Called to be saints. That, again, that's separated ones. That idea of being separated for that purpose of God. I don't feel like a saint. You don't feel like a saint. God says you're a saint. Pastor Brantley preached on this a few weeks ago. You are called to be a saint. The contrasting character of who we are in Christ often doesn't match who we are in real time. That's why it says you're called to be saints. It doesn't say you're called saints. You are, but it says you're called to be saints. It's a work in progress, amen? God sees it, you are, and you are becoming set apart as holy for his purpose. Does that make sense? You can feel the contrast, though. That's where the struggle comes. You know, Paul, Paul was speaking in Romans 1.16, and we'll get into this verse more next week. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And you may be like that contrasting part of your heart, like, Pastor, I believe, but I struggle. I believe, but I struggle in my belief. Yeah, 
at times you do. There's that contrasting quality of our faith at times. And I love what Romans 1 says, yep, but listen to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This calling to live lives that contrast with who you are to who you're becoming, it comes out of this place of the love of God to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. Who, who God sees you to be and who you're becoming, it comes out of his love. Not out of his judgment, but out of his love. Receive those hard challenges with love, not, not with like pain. Like, no, it's good when he's challenged us to go higher. It's good. And he says, grace to you and peace from the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. What I love about this verse is that it is an answer, I think, to our world's needs. Because we live in a world void at times of hope, grace, and peace. And when I look at the scripture, that idea of hope, you can have hope because you've been included. You can have hope because you belong. You can have hope because of that. When I think of God's grace, it's extended to you as he sees you. He sees you with eyes of grace and he sees you as saints. Amen? And then when it comes to the idea of peace, because of that, because of his grace, because of his hope, because of that, you can have peace. You know why? Because God isn't against you, he's for you. And here's the thing, as I teach through these passages of scripture, <clears throat> As I teach through these over the next, you know, this year, there's going to be some stuff that, ooh, it's going to ruffle your feathers. Culturally, it's going to ruffle your feathers. Relationally, it's going to ruffle you. Emotionally, it's going to ruffle you. <clears throat> Makes it difficult at times to follow what God would say from his word. But God is saying these strong things in his scripture, not because he's against you, but because he's for you. His peace is already there for you. He's saying it to benefit our hearts. So I just want you to prepare your hearts for this series. Man, there's going to be some tough days. There's going to be some days that are just incredibly joyous. But there's going to be some, ooh, there's going to be some things that's just going to, like, I don't even, I'm scared to even preach it. The conflicted heart of a pastor. But I'm going to. Amen? Because I have to teach what the Word says. And so we finish Romans 1, 7. All those in Rome who are loved by God. All those, all those. You see, everyone, everyone has that opportunity. All those. The reason why that invitation is there is because everything changes when Jesus shows up. Everything. So I want us just to close our eyes for a moment. Hmm. just want us as we go into this series especially that we would go in with the mindset that Jesus served us and we want hearts to serve him let us enter into this series with servant hearts that idea of Jesus you have served us and you have shown us a revelation of who you are and your desires for us to believe and we will serve you fully Lord by embracing those revelations of you and those desires and embracing those things and living according to your, your word, living out those beliefs. There may be somebody here this morning that when I was speaking, you felt that way. You, you felt like the one that doesn't belong or you felt like the one not included. You felt like the one that everybody else has this opportunity. It's easy for them to believe, but I struggle. 
Maybe for you, you would like to begin a relationship with Jesus today or renew your relationship with Jesus. Maybe you know that you've been distant from him. He's never left you, but you've been distant. If that's you, every head's bowed, just raise your hand. I just want to see your hand. Yeah, yeah. Amen, I see that hand. Amen. I see that hand, honey. Let's just all pray this together. Jesus, you are Lord, and I am not. I want to be a servant of yours. I want to follow you. Lord, there's things that stand between me and you. I ask that you forgive my sins. Lord, empower my steps to keep in step with your desires. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.